Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Jones, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's Housing Wire Daily, Housing Wire Managing Editor James Kleiman joins me to discuss the biggest stories that came out of the Housing Wire newsroom last week. In this episode, Kleiman examines Rocket Mortgage's Q1 results and what it could mean for the mortgage market, and reviews what's happening with the QM rule and what challenges some VA borrowers are facing in today's housing market. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. As a top 10 subservicer with a 98% customer satisfaction rate, TMS does business a different way and it does it well. They deliver next level service with next level technology innovations. Like Simi, their servicing portal that can help make a lender's job a breeze. So when you're ready to have the service put back into your subservicing, go to subservicing.themoneysource.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Housing Wire's Monday Morning Cup of Coffee, which is a segment of Housing Wire Daily. My name is Victoria Jones, and I'm Housing Wire's digital producer. Today, I'm joined with Housing Wire Managing Editor James Kleiman. James, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Victoria. Absolutely. Well, I have my coffee ready in hand, so let's get started. Listeners, today we'll be discussing some of the hottest topics that came out of the newsroom last week, as well as what stories we're likely to discuss this week. So before we dive in on that, what were some of the topics that caught your eye last week? I know there was mortgage rates remaining under 3% for the third week in a row, the CFPB's recent complaint report showing mortgage complaints hitting a three-year high, rocket mortgages, Q1 results, and so much more. But what specifically was of interest to you? So those are all interesting stories. Um, they, they all piqued my interest in in the same way. You know, they're they're either a continuation of of something we've expected for quite some time, or they represent a pretty marked departure. And so, in the case of Rocket, you know, I I think as Rocket goes, so does much of the rest of the mortgage market. You know, they're easily the biggest. Uh, non-bank mortgage wonder, the biggest mortgage wonder period. And um, they still originated over $100 billion in the f- in the first quarter of 2021, which is phenomenal by by any measure. Uh, but there are certainly signs that, that business is starting to, to taper off a little bit. And so if you look at what they're projecting for the second quarter, it's it's a big downsize. They're looking at you know, originations in the in somewhere in the eighty billion dollar range, and they're looking at their gain on sale margins falling pretty considerably, and and they've expected that. You know, they've been pretty clear that they're in it for the long haul, that they're not focused on these very short term um, matters, um, and and their their whole um, belief is is that they're looking for customers for life, and. A single transaction per quarter isn't going to really change that strategy, uh, but it's certainly something the rest of the market has to be um, worried about. You know, if, if Rocket, which has big technological advantages, they have a fairly affordable workforce, um, and their direct 
consumer business is also very profitable. You know, margins have, have often been in in the 500 BPS range. Um, if Rocket can't can't do incredible business um, when things slow down, who could? And so I, I think what you're going to really start to see is over the next quarter or two, maybe three quarters, um, a continuation of consolidation in the, the mortgage lending space. You're going to see those margins for companies that can't maintain, um, you know, cut rate pricing uh, start to really dip. And I think you're going to see a lot of investors start to to start making noise. Um, that's typically what happens. And and all of this is is to say that we're still in a really bright spot historically in the mortgage market. You know, this is um, most people think this will be the second best year ever. So I don't want to sound alarmist or anything like that. Um, but but it's definitely we're we're really seeing a slowdown from the highs of 2020. And not all mortgage lenders are going to be able to uh, to do the same level of business. In fact, very few of them, if any, are. So that's that's something that we're going to continue to watch for. And, in the weeks and months and uh, maybe years upcoming. Yeah, definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. Well, let's discuss this week's likely stories. We just got out of this morning's roundup. So can you talk a little bit about what stories the newsroom is going to be focusing on this week? Yeah, we've got a lot of stories already in the queue. Uh, the first one, it just went live probably about an hour ago, is from senior mortgage reporter Georgia Cromry. And it's it's a really deep dive uh, look into what's happening with the QM rule, and and this has major consequences for for lenders and, and for regulators as well. I, I think it's um it's something many people in this space have been paying very close attention to, but certainly not everybody. I know a lot of LOs who don't know what the CFPB is up to and don't really care. You know, they're they're a lot more concerned about uh, finding business and eating what they can kill. But but. I think it's fair to say that a lot of people have been focused on what the CFPB is doing regarding what's called the QM rule, the qualified mortgage rule. It's um, under the Trump administration. They, they've been tweaking. They've been in the rule, uh, you know, the, the rule making process for quite some time. And uh, George's piece is really interesting in that it, it's it's an encompassing story, but it really does focus on a top official at the CFPB who's in charge of the rulemaking process. And what's interesting about that is she's in the past um, heavily criticized the agency's rule. Uh, she's she said that she hates it and um, and that she's um, certainly been an opponent of it. And this could really jeopardize uh, the safe harbor provision for mortgage lenders who have you know really taken to the the conventional space because it's really honestly very safe. You know. For the last 12, 13 years, if you write a qualified mortgage and, and you do everything right, you check every box, there's almost no threat that someone's going to come back and say, you know what, it's it's your shoddy underwriting that caused this, um, you know, this default or foreclosure, and we're going to take action. We're going to sue you. Um, the lenders haven't had to worry about that for more than a decade. And if this rule does change um, to the extent that some lenders fear the it, there could be a real reckoning. So that's a big story. I, I think a lot of people will want to check that out. Uh, that is on the website right now. That went up about an hour ago. And we're going to continue to follow that. And and also, for what it's worth, you know, the, the big Supreme Court case that could cost Mark Calabria his job, that could drop at any minute. You know, no, no one knows when the Supreme Court will make a ruling on that, but that could also certainly affect, um, you know, a, any potential QM rule that comes down the pipe. 
All right. Well, before we wrap, I would like to ask, like, what other stories do you think people should be paying attention to right now that maybe they're not? I know you touched on the QM rule, but can you think of any other stories that our listeners should check out? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to bring two stories to the table today. Um, maybe three. Let's let's see how we do in time. But the first is a uh, Georgia, whom I just mentioned. She has been working on a story about the VA lending space for about three weeks now, and and she should be able to file that story either today and tomorrow. So I'm really excited to get a chance to do the edits on that. But really, what we've been hearing from LOs and from real estate agents as well, and uh, you know, mortgage banker executives over the last probably three, four weeks, is that if they have a client who is seeking to get a VA loan for the purchase market, they're they're really struggling to find um, to find that their application ends up getting anywhere near the top of the pile. Um, and, and this is a multi-layered issue, of course. A lot of sellers have 20, 30, 40, 50 bids coming in on pretty average houses, I would say, uh, that are, that are certainly going for more than asking price, certainly more than appraised price in a lot of cases. And there is this perception amongst a lot of VA, um, LOs who specialize in VA loans that, that sell side real estate agents have been advising their clients to simply not even consider VA offers. You know, it's, it's difficult to get a VA appraiser to come in what many of them consider to be a reasonable time frame. In a lot of cases, the appraisal comes in lower than they had anticipated. And if you're a seller, you have to jump through a few hoops. I, I don't think it's onerous. And and it's all very it's very much designed to provide for safe housing to a veteran. And I think there's something very laudable about that. But it it has um in its own way kind of conspired with a really difficult market in general, um, to put a lot of VA, would-be VA borrowers at a disadvantage. And so we've been looking into the issues related to that, and uh, we should have a story on that probably, I'd say Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, I'm really excited. I think I've already gotten a lot of feedback from LOs on this, and it's something that they they certainly want to read a lot more about. So so that's a good one. And then I'm going to bring up one more story that I've been working on. So as uh, many of the the readers of my Lending Life newsletter, I'm sure are probably sick of hearing by now, but I've been working on a follow-up to the Rocket UWM broker brouhaha over the last, I guess it's almost just a slightly over two months now. I believe it was March 8th or something like that. Uh, but but it really set separated mortgage brokers into two separate camps. You know, you could either tire wagon a UWM or you can work with Rocket, but you can't do both. And those who would do or would want to do both would be fined, you know, upwards of $50,000, maybe more by UWM if they were caught having, um, you know, sent loans to both lenders. And um, I, I've talked about the backstory a lot, so I don't really want to get too deep into it. Um, but I'm working on a follow-up right now that's sort of an examination of of what has happened to the rank-and-file brokerages and also the LOs who work for them. Um, for many life has been pretty much normal. You know, they've they've been sending loans to UWM and, and that's been fine and the pricing has been good and the service has been solid and they're happy with it. And, and likewise, a lot of the same brokerage, not the same, other brokerages in a similar situation have said, yeah, we've been working with Rocket and 
we've been very happy with the service. The pricing is great. You know, it's, it's basically the same story. But then I've spoken to a bunch of other mortgage brokerage shops, and they've talked a lot about, um, for lack of a better term, this idea of poaching. And for quite some time, you know, there, there was this refrain that if you're in the mortgage brokerage space and wholesale, you didn't take LOs from other brokerages. It was sort of a violation of kind of an unspoken code of conduct. Um, but I've been hearing that that is happening now. And that there are really just firms that are affiliated with one or the other, um, you know, feeling like this is this is the appropriate time to to grab a competitor's best LO or, you know, uh, make them an offer that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have considered. So I've got a few people on the record. I'm still working on that story over the the next few days. So anyone out there who is listening to this podcast. If you, uh, if you know anything about it, if, if someone's tried to recruit you or you're recruiting in the broker space, certainly send me a message. My email is the letter J Kleiman. That's K L E I M A N N at housingwire.com. And so hopefully we'll have that story a little bit later this week. Looking forward to reading both of those stories. It sounds really interesting. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in to another recording of Monday Morning Cup of Coffee. I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday for another episode. Until then, check out Housing Wire Daily. You won't want to miss all the amazing interviews that we have planned for this week. James, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow. Tomorrow.